All Saints Day. Last Sunday was Reformation uh, weekend with uh, October 31st being Reformation Day. And then All Saints Day, November 1st. And we didn't quite get through all the stuff I had hoped to get through. And uh, we had a lot of fun with it. Um, in fact, uh, the focus last week was more on Martin Luther. And by the way, it's worth watching the movie Martin Luther. I, I think I'll post on the Hope Fellowship Facebook page a link to it. It might be on YouTube. I'm not sure. Worth watching because now it makes a lot more sense to me. I want to rewatch it in light of all those things I've heard. But uh, this is all back on October 31st, hundreds of years ago, 500 years plus, uh, where Martin Luther nailed his theses or arguments on the door of the Wittenberg door. And I need to make a correction from last week. Somebody got on, my, on me about this here. So if I can have the clicker. Yep, really want the clicker. There we go. That, I called that Lego, and I apologize. It's not Lego. It is it's for the Lego fans. My deepest grievance, sorry. You know, that, that, uh, it's Playmobil, all right? In fact, Pastor Hans here has one of them on his desk. <laughs> I think it's great. <laughs> anyway, there we go. Just had to clarify for all the Lego uh, addicted fans. So, fun facts about Martin Luther. I wanted to come back just to a couple things I learned. I learned so many more things. And the hard part is some of the stuff I learned, I wasn't sure if the source was good or not. So I, you'll have to look it up yourself. Um, but there's a couple things I did here that was great. So I didn't know this, but in the church back then, 500 years ago, uh, there was no congregational singing. It was choirs or the monks singing, and it was never congregational. Martin Luther said, nah, I don't think so. I think that we all need to be singing. And so he went down to the bars and pubs, the pubs or the bars that they had. They were, basically, that's where people gathered. And he listened to the tunes that people were enjoying. Woohoo! And they're having fun, whatever they're doing. And he took the tunes from the bars, the pubs, and wrote lyrics to them. Pretty much all of the hymns that Martin Luther wrote are done to a beer tune. Okay. For all of you who are all, um, all about, well, we don't touch that. Guess what? You sang it. <laughs> anyway, sorry. I got German blood. I like my beer. It's funny. Um, but anyway, that's, that's kind of cool when he's the one who really pushed that. Uh, then we have, uh, I find out he, he loved to drink. He loved his beer, a lot of beer. And the funny thing is his wife made it for him. And there are some letters found from when he was traveling or away or studying. He wrote back, you know, oh, the best beers at home. <laughs> I thought it was cool. So anyway, look up some fun facts about Martin Luther. Some, there's some lists of 10 and 15, and some of them are kind of cool. One of them has to do with, I think, his wife proposed to him, but don't quote me on that, and, which is backwards. But again, she's an ex-nun. He's an ex-priest, and they got married. It was scandalous. All right? And then, this is really, really kind of cool. This tells you the, the change of the times. Like today, we, we're fighting for women's rights, and we shouldn't be. It should be in place everywhere. It's not, and it's sad. But even back 500 years ago, where there was no chance of that, he did something in his will, which you don't do. And it's because of what he did, they made a law to make it allowable. And that was, he bequested everything he, he had to his wife. Now, I thought that was a given. You should be able to just do that. It should be assumed, but it wasn't. And he was one of the first people to do that and caused and forced a legal change in his country on this, which I thought, that's really cool. All right, somebody just confirmed, yep, Lego. And Jen, yes, Jen, thank you. Um, that, now I know who you are. Yay, it's good to see you guys. I miss you guys both big time. All right, 
All Saints Day. What's with All Saints Day? Well, there's so many dates given over the years to individuals who passed away through martyrdom or big events. So they had all these dates that they had to celebrate. And finally, they decided to merge it all into one day for all the saints. And so that's what, what's happened here with All Saints Day. And the saints that they're referring to are the early church fathers, the individuals that are well known, um, whoever they chose to be saints at the time. But I wanted to take a look at the definition of a saint because we got to look in a little deeper. It may not mean what you think it means, all right? Here's a, here's a couple definitions. So as soon as I get my control back for the clicker, because I know Russ is working hard back there multitasking and we haven't got the computer system to be able to do the multitasking yet, but we will. All right, a saint is a person acknowledged as holy or virtuous and typically regarded as being in heaven after death. This is one definition. So you're holy when you go to heaven, which unfortunately implies you're not holy now. So there's a problem there. I don't like that at all, because I think we're holy now, I think we're saints now. But it's the idea of a, a place dedicated to the seventh century saint. That's, that, that's a phrase that you could hear. But that's one idea, one definition of what a saint is. So if somebody says a saint is this, you can't say, no, it's not. Well, because technically, this is a definition. Our Western world is more about being right and somebody else being wrong. And there's, we've got to lose that a bit. We need to have room for diversity in opinions and history. So if you hear someone say that, you don't have to correct them. All right. In the Catholic and Orthodox churches, a person formally recognized or canonized by the church after death who may be the object of veneration and prayers for intercession. Example, innocent ill stressed that only the Pope had the authority to declare a saint. Apparently, it was up to the Pope. The Pope is the only one who could say they are now a saint. Well, you do a bit of a rabbit trail, and some here have Catholic backgrounds, and we have people at Hope Fellowship and people watching that have Catholic backgrounds. This isn't a, a dig at that history. This is a fact. But apparently, you have to do some miracles while you're dead, okay? It has to be known, that obvious, and there's a list of things that qualify you to become a saint later. I just find that interesting because I can't see it anywhere in Scripture, uh, maybe some of the early church writings, I don't know. But worth exploring, but I'm not going to knock it. I just can't see it. So then there's another definition of saints used in titles of religious saints. You know, Saint Symbol, Saint Nicholas. We know that one, right? Christmas? Just kidding. The Epistles of Saint Paul. Uh, some of your Bibles will have the title of a, a book you know, St. Peter, uh, Second St. Peter, and all things like that. So that's a, the idea is to um, recognize they're a set-apart, holy writer, okay, that have an impact on Christendom. That's kind of the intent here. So we're going to keep going deeper. Or a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, a Mormon. How'd that get in there? Yes, it is. The Mormon church, this is right in the dictionary. The Mormons see their people as saints. Then why can't we? Think about that. Did you know you're a saint? <laughs> Hopefully you will by the end of today. Another one. Uh, in or alluding to biblical use, a Christian believer, the poor saints which are at Jerusalem. This is where we're going to dig into, okay? This is where 
I see the connections of the writers writing to the saints. And we're going we're gonna to cover that really well. Another definition of a saint, informal, a very virtuous, kind, or patient person. She's a saint to go on living with that man. You know, this is a direct quote from the dictionary. I didn't make it up, so I wasn't thinking of anybody. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, you know, that's, that's the loose phraseology in our culture of what a saint could be. But in the scriptures, 63 times we're called saints. 63 times plus, all right? If it says it that many times, we need to take notice. We need to wake up and be aware, sit up and observe questions as why is that word being used so often? The Bible speaks truth about us regardless of what we feel or how we behave. So if we are referred to as saints, we need to sit up and take notice. It's like the song that Terrell and Megan sang. You know, with the words of the lyrics, whoever wrote it says, I am so unworthy. But it was updated, it was corrected in how they sang. They sang, we feel unworthy. Kudos to you guys for doing that because that is far more accurate. Too many people in the Western church live from their feelings. They feel like they're dirt. They feel like they're dung. Um, uh, some famous religious leaders have said, we're just snow-covered dung. That's our identity. Do you know what dung is? Poop. If you live near in Elmira, you smell the stuff being spread. You know, and some mornings it frosts over and subsides the smell for a little bit, but as soon as the sun hits it, <laughs> but that's all we are, snow-covered poop. Well, I don't believe that at all. I think we're diamonds. We've been created in the image of God. We're created like God. We are made one with Jesus. If we are made one with Jesus, amen, if we are, then there's something connected that can't be unconnected. We're in union with Jesus. Whatever is true of Jesus is true of you, even though you can never come to the place in your own mind because you may feel so unworthy. You go, oh, no way. You cannot put me on the same level as Jesus. It's like somebody were to walk in here, let's say, uh, who's a famous uh, um, preacher you respect? Be careful with that. Um, <laughs> who is somebody that, let's say Billy Granford, just from, I know he, he's passed on. Who? Mike Zanker. <laughs> That's so nice. Let's say Billy Graham were to come in. He has world respect, right? And so if he were to walk in here, he'd be, whoa, like, this is amazing to have someone like him here. Um, think of somebody else that is well-known, like anybody you look up to, let's say. If they were to come into the room, you'd go, wow, you'd sit up and you would never equate yourself with equality with that person, all right? But there's a problem with that. Why are you doing that? Because there's this weird ego, shame thing that says, I'm not good enough. I'm not anywhere close to that person. Oh, my goodness. And suddenly we realize we've created a division, us versus them. We've created a, I'm not good enough, they are. And we've done that in our entire society. Take a look at the election stuff going on these days, the division that's going on. We have it here in our country. So if you're looking at the U.S. and going, man, it's terrible down there, hang on. It's just as bad here. We're just nicer about it. That's all it is, the same attitudes, all right? It just might look cleaner, but it's not. It's the same attitudes. 
And so when we see each other as not equal, we judge. And so we've judged Billy as being greater than us. But Jesus were to walk in the room, we go, oh my goodness. By the way, that'd be freaky and cool, all right? But if he were to walk in here, we'd, we'd, we'd feel we're not worthy, we're not worthy. I'm, I'm sure of it. But Jesus would say to you, what? We're the same. We're one. I've, I've indwelt you. I'm in union with you. You're just as worthy as I am. You're just as holy as I am. But I don't always act it. And then Jesus would say, I know. <laughs> you know, it's not about how you act. Your actions and behavior do not determine your identity. Not all, it, can, it can, but it, that's not the definition. How you behave reveals what you believe about yourself at any given moment. It reveals about what you believe of God and of yourself at any given moment. I don't always act like a saint, but I am one according to Scripture. I'm going to side with Jesus on this. I don't always act holy. I sometimes have very unholy thoughts, especially when I'm driving in some roundabouts. Sometimes when certain people irritate me. I have unholy thoughts about them. And I've learned to not post those. I might share them privately with friends and laugh, but, <laughs> but still, you know, it still brings you back to, wait a minute, who am I? I'm one with the anointed. The anointed is one with me. All right? Do you recognize that? Let's keep going here. Romans 1.7. Romans 1.7. To all who are beloved of God in Rome, called as saints. Who are the all? Who does God love in Rome? Some? The few that checked, I, I believe, on their, on their um, info card? No. All. But he's writing to those who recognize <clears throat> the revelation of Jesus. He's writing to the saints who recognize themselves as saints. There are many there who do not recognize themselves as saints. They've been made holy, they just don't know it. <clears throat> but here, he's writing to those who get it. Guys, I'm writing to you, those who recognize your holiness, your sainthood. Listen up, this is for you. He's calling them saints. He's not saying, once you do this list of three or four things, then you're a saint. Then you're good enough. So now, level one people, you go over here. Level two, <laughs> can you imagine that? But we've done that in the church. We do that with church membership, not here. But I've been in churches where it's been encouraged to have the beginner people, those who are more committed, and they begin to give. And then you have other levels of giving to show your commitment. And you're trying to jockey for position of being respected through how you give and what you commit to. That is a horrible, horrible system. It makes a lot of money. It turns the church into a business. It's sweet marketing from some clever person who has walked away from the gospel. All right? I don't believe in that stuff. I call it church crap. Christian rules and procedures. And there's no room for it. That's why when I ask about giving and invite you to participate in finances, it's because if you enjoy this, participate in it. The bride of Christ is to participate in it. Even Jesus had a treasurer in his 12 disciples. There was money flowing, giving, 
taking care of things. Oh my goodness, well, that was never talked about. We don't see that anywhere. But it was. So why can't we talk about it? Let's not make it about being more holy and I am doing my due diligence. And if I don't give, God's going to get me. I grew up with that. In fact, I remember having a flat tire once when I got my first car and my dad said to me, listen, he said this. He said this a number of times throughout my life. Oh, did you tithe last week? God's going to get his money. (laughs) What, to the mechanic or to the church? You mean I can give to the mechanic all the time? I can get a couple upgrades? It's cheaper? No, I'm kidding. (laughs) That was funny. But my, but my, my dad, he, that's, that was his mindset. Now, keep in mind, I believe my dad's heart was amazing. He saw things in a transactional way in many ways, but his heart was good. He lived out his faith in his kindness. None of us get it right. None of us do it perfectly. But that conditional acceptance, and we translate that into sainthood. We're just not good enough. I'm misbehaving. I have these patterns of behavior that don't reflect the love of Christ in me. We all have them in different ways. Some are more prominent. Some are really quiet. Nobody else may notice it. Ephesians 2, 18 to 20. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints. Fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Hmm. You are part of the family. There aren't levels. There aren't better almost good enough, getting cleaned up, cleaned, and super saints. It's not like that. When we do that in our mind, and we dwell on that and keep believing it, it turns into an actual program, and we see it in churches. Time to back up, reboot, upgrade, wipe the computer, install the proper software. Yeah, that's going to hurt. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 2, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those, listen to this, that word sanctified is not a mistake, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Somebody who doesn't believe in Jesus would never refer themselves to as a saint. But when they wake up to the revelation that Christ lives in them and has reconciled them, the new awakening or the transformation that happens, the conversion that happens in their thinking, transformation, conversion, okay, you starting to see it? It's not the transaction. It's the change of belief that happens in them. Now they can see themselves as saints. That's why he says to those called saints, together with those in every place who call upon the name of the Lord. Those who call upon the name of the Lord, call them saints. That doesn't mean other people aren't. It just means you recognize it. Start living like one. Colossians 1, 11 to 13. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. Strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you. For the Father who has qualified you, it is the Father who qualifies you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. 
This is past tense. If you didn't catch this one line here, oh my goodness, go home and meditate on this verse. Look it up. Read the whole chapter. Read the whole book. But right there, you have been transferred from that domain. You are in the kingdom of light now. And if you're not aware of it, then to you it's dark. But you're in the light. (coughs) The light is in you. Jesus even said, if the light that is in you, if that light that it's in you, if that light's darkness, (gasps) how great is that darkness? Because it sure blinds people. Romans 8.27 And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Again, you call the saint. You're called a saint. Now, careful. When I first learned this, I rubbed it in to those around me, fellow believers who would never see this as saint, and I would correct them, well, ha, you're a saint, you know, and, and, and kind of be right Rub it in their face. Don't do that. It doesn't go well. You turn into a weirdo to them and you have no more clout and no more influence to say anything positive. Hebrews 6.10 says, For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you do. This is a part the church leaves out a lot. We talk about serving community. We talk about serving one another. But this is about serving the saints, you and I, serving one another. In marriage, I've often said in weddings that the only competition in any marriage should be who can outserve the other. That's the only competition. It's not 50-50. It's 100-100. And we can forget that once in a while, you know? Especially when you feel like, you're not doing the 100, girl. You're not doing the 100, guy. Like, like, don't do that. Don't say that, okay? Don't say that to your spouse. <laughs> it won't go well. But the idea of serving one another, serving Maggie. She serves us with coffee, but how can we serve her and love her? How can we serve Patty, St. Patty? St. Patty's Day. <laughs> That's one way to do it. <laughs> we need to rethink how we see each other. And if you realize you're called to serve, okay, that's not your only calling. But part of that overflow of who, you're, who you are in your identity is to serve. We're not called to serve as in that is a purpose for you. It's an overflow, not a list to check off. Big difference. Revelation 22, 21. Why would this come up? Second last verse of the Bible. Or last verse, I forget. But it says, The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all the saints. Amen. This is from the New Revised Standard Version. Other ancient authorities lack all, and others lack the saints. And, so, and some of them don't say amen. So this is a comparison of translations. So when you say, my Bible's the right one, I just believe the Bible, what it plainly says, listen, it never says anything plainly. Okay? There's going to be variations. There are some things that are plain to you and I because we're conditioned and we've heard it. I believe Jesus died and rose. Okay, that part's plain to me. But when you say this verse plainly says, now hang on, back up, because there's other ways to see things. Why am I using this one? Take a look. New Living Translation says, May the grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's holy people. 
Other manuscripts read, be with all. That's, this is the point I'm making. The grace of Christ is not just with the saints. It's with all. The grace of Christ is for all, to all, and in all. Period. New American Standard Bible says, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. One, early, one of the early manuscripts says the saints. So you can see there's a number of comparisons. And then Francois Dutoy, in the mirror translation, I love this, he writes, the grace of our Lord Jesus is with everyone. That's his translation from the work he's done. Revelation ends with one final surprise in the form of a textual variant in verse 21. Is grace declared to all the saints? The new revised standard version, which I showed you first, or to all? The point is, it's to all. If you look for hope, if you look for a better picture of God in the scriptures, if you are, something sets you off, and this verse doesn't make sense, it doesn't seem to reflect the goodness of God, then keep digging until you find it. It is there. There are answers. And that's why we have many saints that have a lens different from ours, and we need to listen to one another. We need to hear the other's perspectives that we're not used to. It's quite powerful. Last link, Galatians 2.20. One of my favorites. It's a declaration. I have been crucified with Christ. Past tense. It is no longer I, as in myself, ego alone, who live. But Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, in my body, I live by faith in the Son of God, that's what one translation says, who loved me and delivered himself up for me. But the King James Bible says, I live by the faith of the Son of God. If we look at this translation, most translations will say, I live by faith in the Son of God. They are incomplete and incorrect. And why does that matter? This is why it matters. If I say I live by faith in the Son of God, I is the focus. I live by faith in the Son of God. Now the onus is on me. The focus is me, 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 which is great for ego. So if you think you're serving God well, ha, ha, see, look how good I'm doing. But if you don't, you go, oh, I'm not worthy. And yet, Paul writes, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who is the source of all your faith. Young's literal translation says, I live by Son of God. Faith. Passion translation gets it right. You're going to see as translations continue to evolve and grow and mature, you're going to see some corrections coming. It's like in the um, NIV Bible. They have a terrible translation of the word um, uh, flesh. Where they should have used the word flesh, they used the, the term old sinful nature, meaning core identity. Totally messing up. What was intended there? It's complete wash. Don't use that translation for that. Or if I've, as, you, as I've encouraged most of you through the years, use multiple translations. Don't just stick with one. Never, never good. Not if you want to actually study and grow. All right? So let us remember the source of our faith. It is Jesus himself. Heavenly Father, wake us up to our sainthood. Remind us of who we are as holy, set apart, 
appointed by the Father, in Christ, one with you. As that revelation becomes really real in our minds and we begin to believe it, I trust our behavior will begin to reflect it more and more and more. And thank you for being gentle with us. (laughs) Thank you, Father. Amen.